the Fantasy Football Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your fantasy team die in darkness. I'm Scott Allen, and I had a better day than Buck Allen for the Ravens. Ugh, he sure did. Yeah, I'm Des Beeler, and I own Buck Allen in a couple leagues, and I'm a little bit concerned, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Yes, we will. And, uh, you know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we go Sunday game by game, give you the top performers from each game, some things to look for on the waiver wire, injury concerns, all that good stuff to get you ready for for when the guys come back on Wednesday. So, Des, let's start across the pond. Sure. Uh, where the question is, is Blake Bortles elite? <laughs> he was for one day, I suppose. He was kind of huge in this game. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Who, 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 is, who is this Blake Bortles? Uh, you know, maybe I mean, the Jags play in England now like every year since like 2011, so maybe yeah. he's just so comfortable with that, whereas Joe Flacco, clearly not as comfortable with that, but... I'm willing to chalk that up as kind of a fluky day for Bortles, as well as, in particular, a fluky day for Mercedes Lewis, right. the, the tight end who caught three touchdowns. I don't think he even had a target last week and possibly not the week before that. So his four for, 16, four for 62 line, three touchdowns seems like, you know, if you want to chase him on the waiver wire, you go ahead. I won't be. Yeah, I think, I think Mercedes Lewis was active in something like 0.03% of ESPN leagues. I, <laughs> I read that today. Yeah. So props right. to you if you had him. But If you're in a league that makes you start four tight ends, then maybe you had him. Right. So for the Ravens, we, we talked a little bit about Buck Allen, a bad day for him, bad day for Terrence West. It's looking like a mess there. It's looking like they all kind of miss Marshall Yanda, the guard who went out with the injury last year. Is this a concern for the rest of the year going forward? The loss of Yanda is certainly a concern. He's, he's He might be the best run blocker in the NFL, and he certainly was their best offensive lineman. Uh, one interesting uh, development there was Alex Collins, the uh, ex-Seahawk who's joined the team not that long ago and rushed for nine or had nine carries for 82 yards. He's going to be another guy that will come up on the waiver wire. It, it still looks like a bit of a mess there, but he, you know, I think they're looking for anybody with a pulse in that backfield. So we could, we could expect yeah. to see a little bit more work for Alex Collins going forward. Another potential backfield mess perhaps in Denver where uh, Jamal Charles today finally found the end zone. He had one more carry than C.J. Anderson, who we talked up a lot last week. He looked like the, the workhorse back for the rest of the year. But the Broncos in a 26-16 in a to 16 loss to the Bills, Trevor Simeon comes down to earth. And what do you make of that running back situation? Well, I think it's still C.J. Anderson's job there, uh, but it was, a, it was a nice game for Jamal Charles, and we've seen that he's still got some of it left. I don't think he's quite the guy he used to be, but there was some. I think there was some reasonable consideration that he might just be washed up altogether. I mean, the Chiefs certainly clearly didn't think he had much left in the tank when they let him go, and they couldn't have been very happy to see him go to the Broncos. But, yeah, pretty nice game here. I think we definitely saw the headline for me is pretty much Trevor Simeon coming back to earth, though. This is a guy who had seven touchdowns, six passing, one on the ground, and you thought, oh, I wonder if he'll keep that up. And this was their first road game of the season. So we saw him not have that great of a game. But you know what? He still got the ball to Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, which for fantasy purposes is really the most important thing when you're looking at the Broncos' offense. The Bears beat the Steelers 23-17, to and I talked last week about with Mike about some concern about Jordan Howard, not only health-wise, but Tariq Cohen cutting into his carries. Howard was the guy today, 23 carries for 138 yards and two touchdowns, and more important to me, I think, a career-high five catches. He caught all five of his passes. He doesn't have that reputation as a pass catcher. That's more Cohen's thing. But if he can add that to his game, he could be, I mean, forget Tariq Cohen cutting and going right. forward. 
Yeah, I mean, the rumors of Jordan Howard's fantasy demise greatly exaggerated. He was a good buy-low candidate this week, just based on the fact that he looked so good last season. He got off to the slow start, and I, I think... You know, I think the Bears still obviously want to use him. The, the key point is the Bears were able to stay in this game, but you're right. It was interesting to see Jordan Howard get featured so much in the passing game. You know, I think the other, the other aspect of this game that was interesting was, once again, Ben Roethlisberger kind of shaking on the road. I mean, this is something that's following this yeah. guy around for the past couple of years. And again, he just wasn't that great. He had one touchdown pass, 235 yards passing. I mean, Antonio Brown owners aren't complaining. He got the ball to them. And Le'Veon Bell owners are finally got a pretty decent game out of him. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's so great that 98 total yards and touchdown doesn't seem like all that fantastic, except when you compare it to his first couple of weeks. So the star players for the Steelers got theirs. But, yeah, I would say the headline here is Jordan Howard back on track and a huge game for him. A wild game in Detroit where the Falcons escaped with a 30-26 to 26 win after a Golden Tate touchdown, what would have been his second touchdown of the day was reversed and time expired. Uh, Tate still a pretty good day, 7 for 58 and, and that one touchdown. Matt Ryan and Devontae Freeman, big games for the Falcons. What's your key takeaway from this game? Yeah, I mean, I, owners of various Falcons, I think, got what they wanted here. Matt Ryan was pretty good. Devontae Freeman was very good. Julio Jones was was okay. Didn't get in the end zone, but was good enough. Tevin Coleman got some yardage. You know, I, I think Golden Tate pops out here because he was somebody I, I was basically wrong about in my, in my rankings. I thought his target share was going to come down. I thought with a healthy cast of characters and the what I thought would be the emergences of Eric Ebron, and you had Kenny Galladay there, I thought Golden Tate was somebody who thrived on volume and wasn't necessarily going to get that much volume, but so far early in the season, he's getting that volume for sure. I mean, he didn't have a lot of yardage, 58 yards, uh, but seven catches on 11, a team-high 11 targets, got in the end zone one time, came so close, agonizingly close to getting in again. He's clearly the leader in what is a pretty nice-looking passing game for the Lions also. Matthew Stafford, again, showing he's on his way to having an excellent season. So Golden Tate definitely on the upswing, and, and what can I say? I, I mischaracterized him in the preseason. <laughs> I apologize, Golden Tate. Another receiver on the upswing uh, in Indianapolis. The Colts beat the Browns 31-28 to and welcome to 2017. T.Y. Hilton, seven oh, catches, yeah. <laughs> 153 yards and a touchdown from Jacoby Brissett. Still not an ideal situation for Indianapolis pass catchers, but that's got to be a positive sign for, for Hilton owners. Absolutely. Uh, exactly. I mean, Hilton owners needed this. Uh, I know in one league, I've, I've started in the first two weeks and got very little out of him. Didn't have huge expectations, but you hope as the clear number one guy in that passing attack, he might get his target share and at least like be, be able to break off a big player or two. He had that and then some in this game, nine targets, seven for 153, and uh, you know the huge play that you wanted from him. I love the fact that Brissett was starting to look for him. Like We were wondering about that coming out of last week. Yeah. So I wavered in the league where I own Hilton, I wavered, but the last minute put him in as my, as my flex. So glad I did. And I think you know the Colts are, in, are maybe an okay spot here with Brissett. I mean, it's a home game against the Browns, so I don't know how much we can take away from that. But he certainly looked like he had a pretty useful game in fantasy, uh, as did his counterpart on the other side, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, he did. And the much-hyped rookie receiver, Richard Higgins, didn't do much. No. Only uh, two catches for 10 yards on six targets. Yeah, he was a bust. Um, yeah, but uh, Duke Johnson may be on the upswing a little bit as a as – a, he's not on the waiver wire probably, but a potentially sneaky pickup. He had a team-high six catches for 81 yards. And I think that's just kind of be the offense with, with Kaiser under center. Another rushing touchdown for Kaiser as well. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I think – the flip side of the Duke Johnson game is how bad Isaiah Crowell was yeah. again. And I think that's a big problem. This is a this was a third-round pick in most fantasy drafts. A guy who was ticking to be sort of on the RB1, RB2 fringe area. 
Um, certainly, you know, ticketed for a big role in this offense, and he got 12 carries for 44 yards, two catches for 10 yards, so another dud of a game. And this was, okay, you thought, okay, he had the Steelers and the Ravens to start the season. Now he's going to get the Colts, who aren't that great on defense, and he still couldn't could do much with it. So at this point, I'm going to have to look at it a little bit more. I'm not sure if he's a buy-low candidate yeah. or a sell him while, you could, while he still has name value. I'm really not sure what to, what to look at here. I'm going to have to investigate a little bit further. But right now, um, I think I'd probably still put him in the buy-low category just based on role in that offense because, I mean, it can't get any worse for him, I don't think. By far the m- most surprising performance for me this week, Case Keenum, Case Vikings Keenum. quarterback, total bust last week. Not yep. that anyone had picked him up to start, but yep. if you started him today – and started Mercedes Lewis. Hey, go <laughs> freaking play the lottery right. tomorrow. Exactly. Keenum, 25 for 33, 369 yards and three touchdowns. And again, this is not a quarterback like Brissett. You're not going to go out and pick him up necessarily. But if you are a Stephon Diggs owner, huge day for Diggs, eight for 173 and two touchdowns. If you're an Adam Thielen owner, even Dalvin Cook, you've got to be happy knowing that if Bradford's going to be out a little bit longer, that this offense can still thrive with Keenum. Yeah, well, it, it thrived for one day. I mean, I think Keenum yeah. has shown in the past that he's capable of getting red hot at times. He's been, you know, he's had some good starts earlier. I think, I think he's he's been he's seen as sort of a bit of a punchline, but he's produced some good moments in the NFL. He's also produced some terrible moments. I mean, I, he might be sort of in the Brian Hoyer category of a guy who, in small doses, can look really good, but you don't. He'll get exposed over a number of starts. So I, I think if you're the Vikings, you still want Sam Bradford back ASAP. But it's yes, it is very comforting to know that at least Keenum is capable of something like this, and you, you hope for more of it. And obviously, Stephon Diggs showed how much he can thrive when he does have competent quarterbacking. Patriots beat the Texans 36-33. to A lot of fantasy points to be had in this one. The usual suspects, Tom Brady with five touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, though, who had a slow start to the year, finally breaking out five catches for 131 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Hogan, a pair of touchdown catches on my bench, I might add. Oh, no. Biggest takeaway from this one, Des. Yeah, I, I think it. I don't want to say Brandon Cooks because I think we knew that he would have games like this. This was certainly my analysis. This was, this is why I had Brandon Cooks not ranked as high as a lot of people because I thought he would be pretty boom or busty, and we've seen that in the first few games. Uh, you know, he's not doesn't always get the targets, and even when he does, he doesn't always do a ton with them. In this game, he did a ton. I mean, he only caught five balls, but for 131 yards, two touchdowns, the big plays were there. I don't think that we can necessarily say this is what it's going to be like for Brandon Cooks going forward. So I might almost put him out there as a sell-high guy. Now, obviously, you're going to want a pretty good wide receiver and another asset in return. But, you know, I think now that you've gotten the huge game from Cooks, if there's somebody in your league who thinks, oh, this is the Brandon Cooks we're going to see week in, week out, then go ahead and, and sell him high while you can. And despite the 33 points for the Texans, pretty quiet day for their most yeah. typical fantasy performers. DeAndre Hopkins did not find the end zone. Lamar Miller only... Uh, 56 yards rushing on 14 carries. Yeah, it was it was kind of an odd day for the uh, Texans offense, which definitely put up some points. I think Clowney had a had a contributed touchdown there. Guys like Ryan Griffin got in the end zone. I mean, to me, the story with the Texans is Lamar Miller continuing to be useless. I think the downside we all kind of saw on him based on last year uh, continues to show up here. He just doesn't seem to break off explosive plays. He's not getting the end zone. Uh, so you know, I, I think he's somebody you might want to put out there on the trading block again while he still has name value. Texans lost but had a better day than the Dolphins who got worked against the Jets 20 to 6 and I am so so <laughs> sorry if you picked up Jay Cutler thinking that he would be a a one week fill in against that Jets defense he was not good 26 for 44 220 yards a that, touchdown that's and a being pick. kind yeah not not good is one way to put it <laughs> but but he was not as bad as Jay Ajayi 11 carries for 16 yards this is somebody that you drafted as your RB1 and yep. he is not looking like it 
no. thus far. Well, I, I mean, it's been two games, and the first game he did look like an RB one, almost based on volume. He didn't he didn't have yeah. any huge plays, but he certainly got the rock a ton, and he he put up a you know RB one's worth of yardage. But yeah, he was awful in this game. I mean, the the Dolphins' offense I, to me it's not that shocking. I follow the Jets, mm-hmm. and I I was aware that their defense was capable of better than what it had showed. That's not the reason why the Jets are conce- are seen as the joke of the league. Their defense is actually studded with talent, although it's mostly young talent. But they have first rounders at all three levels of the defense. So I, it doesn't shock me that they could, could they could put in a performance like this at home. I think it is worrisome for uh, owners of Dolphins that Jay Cutler looked this terrible. I don't know. I, I almost want to give it a pass. These are teams that play each other every year. The Jets, you know, almost no matter what kind of season they're having, they split with the Dolphins. And, and, and you just kind of like look at this and, and shrug your shoulders. At least Devontae Parker kind of got his. Yeah. He had eight catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. So I guess what I'm saying is if I'm an Ajayi owner – I'm just going to like shrug my shoulders this one and take take the L and hope for better things because I think better things are there to come. The Eagles beat the Giants 27 to 24. Better things did come for Odell Beckham Jr. Nine catches for 79 yards and two touchdowns. Sterling Shepard a big game for the Giants in defeat. Seven catches, 133 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Marshall finally getting involved. Yeah, yeah. In he's, that a, he's alive. Offense. I was close to dropping him. <laughs> yeah. I think I may have in a, a couple lot of weeks. Um, and then on the other side, Carson Wentz, who we, we talked up last week, who had a couple of monster weeks to start the season, only 176 yards passing this one, and we saw kind of a reemergence of the Eagles running game. What do you, what do you make of that, Des? Yeah, I mean, I had said on the Wednesday podcast, uh, we talked about Carson Wentz. I think Jeff Dooley had said, oh, he's a QB1. I love him. I, I had thrown a little bit more caution in there. Just because, uh, yeah, I just don't think in two weeks we know exactly what we have. He was somebody who got off to a great start last season and then kind of got a little bit shakier as it went along. I don't necessarily think he was going to fall apart at the seams. Uh, but, you know, I think we did see that Carson Wentz, not exactly a lock, uh, QB1 every week. He threw for just 176 yards. As you mentioned, the Eagles got it done on the ground. To me, I think the big headline for this game is what Odell Beckham does for the Giants offense. All of a sudden, Eli Manning yeah. was completing passes to his own <laughs> players and, and getting the ball in the end zone. And just the offense just looked so – I mean, it took a little while. It looked kind of yeah. terrible to start. But eventually the offense looked like what we thought we might see more from the Giants this season. So you just everybody just hoped that Odell Beckham stays healthy. We talked last week about how this was going to be a, a big one for, for Cam Newton. It was time to put up or shut up against the woeful Saints defense, and boy, did he struggle. In a 34-13 to New Orleans win, Cam Newton 17 for 26, 167 yards and three interceptions, Des. And on top of that, Kelvin Benjamin, his <laughs> number de facto number one receiver Theoretical. after Greg Olson goes out with an injury last yeah. week, he leaves with a knee injury, the same uh, knee that he hurt a couple of years ago and cost him the season. It's a mess in Carolina. What do you do with Cam Newton? Yeah, I think it's officially time to panic. You know, I, I've I've generally been saying early season, let's see how things shake out. If players have a track record, but Cam Newton is is someone that I think we already had some concerns about coming to the season just based on yeah that shoulder injury he was he was struggling to come back from, and then they were trying to install this new offense. The funny thing is. That's, that side of things worked out because Christian McCaffrey had nine catches for 101 mm-hmm. yards. So if that part of the offense is working, the short passing game, which he supposedly struggles with, you'd think the rest of the, rest of the passing game would, would spring to life also. But it was so not the case. And if you've been relying on Camp Newton as your QB1, like you said, if you can't do it against yeah. New Orleans, oh, my God, it is definitely time to hit the panic button. One other thing that I did like from the Panthers' offense was Devin Funches. I mean, you mentioned Greg Olson being injured. Funches was a guy who was pegged to maybe – take on a much bigger role. He got 10 targets in this game. Unfortunately, because the uh, Newton was so off target, he caught four for 58. But 10 targets is, is pretty, uh, that's a pretty huge amount. So I think that's another guy who, if he's on the waiver wire and you have an available spot, you know, I, I think it'd be a good roll of dice for him. 
Titans beat the Seahawks 33-27, to and any worry about Derrick Henry cutting into DeMarco Murray's workload significantly may have been premature. Murray today only had one more carry than Henry, but he was effective. 14 yep. carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Henry only 13 for, for 54. So a, a good bounce-back game for, for Murray and his fantasy owners. Yeah, I, uh, this is someone who the, the panic alarms have been sounding coming off the first couple weeks, and you heard oh, he has a hamstring issue, he could be limited. Derrick Henry looked great last week. It really looked like there could be a changing of the guard, if only because DeMarco Murray might not be healthy enough to stave off Derrick Henry, but clearly it was in this game. That hamstring yeah. didn't bother him at all in a 75-yard touchdown run, so DeMarco Murray is officially back. Henry, for, that part, uh, for his part, didn't do a ton, 13 carries for 54 yards. Uh, the other headline, I think, for the Titans is Rashard Matthews. Might be the wide receiver one here. I know we've heard a lot about Corey Davis and Eric Decker was the big offseason acquisition. Rashard Matthews has been hanging around this whole time. For the second time in three games this season, he had at least nine targets, led the team with six catches for 87 yards. So nice guy to have in, in PPR. And for the Seahawks, I know I was hitting the panic alarm in the first half with Russell Wilson. I think I own him in, in three-fourths of my leagues, and he was dreadful or pretty bad in, in the first two weeks. He, yep. had a, he had a bad first half, and granted the Seahawks were playing from behind in this game, but he acquitted himself 29 for 49, 373 yards and four touchdowns, a big day for Doug Baldwin, and that backfield looks <laughs> terrible. Yeah, as bad as ever. Yeah, Chris Carson, everybody's waiver wire darling this week. Not great. 11 carries for 34 yards. He did have a receiving day, so he, sa- he salvaged his fantasy outing. Russell Wilson was, I mean, it was just magical. He threw for 373 yards, a career <laughs> high. And just once again, like that offensive line is just Swiss cheese, and he's running around, he's making plays. You know, I, I think he might be, Russell Wilson might be a guy you want to put on the trading block because, I don't know, with that offensive line, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine him lasting the season or, and, and, or, and also being that effective. Like, yeah. this may be something you don't see very often this season. Magical, that's a good word for it. <laughs> Hope for many more magical performances from, from Danger Russ. The Packers beat the Bengals 27-24 to in OT. Geronimo Allison, that's Geronimo. a fun name to say. Six for 122, including the 72-yard catch that set up the game-winning field goal. The news for me in this one, though, is there's life, perhaps, in that Bengals offense. Finally, a touchdown. Andy Dalton threw two of them. A.J. Green, his first of the year. And Joe Mixon, under new offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, 18 carries uh, for 62 yards. He also had three catches. He only had 17 carries in his first two games. Do you think his value goes up based on this one game? Absolutely. Yeah. Why, yes, Scott, I do. Uh, I think it clearly goes up. I think this was something a lot of people were looking for. They fired their offensive coordinator. The, the, the idea was whatever they were doing in Cincinnati wasn't working, and what they were doing was giving Jeremy Hill entirely too much of the workload. I mean, he still got some carries in this game, but mm-hmm. they finally gave Joe Mixon an RB1-type workload, and he responded with over 100 total yards. Didn't get in the end zone. The other thing that I think a lot of us saw coming was A.J. Green getting fed and fed and fed. He had 13 targets. No other Bengal, I think, had over had over four targets. Ten catches, 111 yards. So A.J. Green officially back. And probably the most encouraging thing you saw was Andy Dalton actually played pretty well. I mean, in, in a bit of a tough spot on the road at Green Bay, play, had a pretty nice game. 21 of 27 passes for 212 yards, so not huge yardage, but two touchdowns, no interceptions, 124.1 rating. If Dalton can just, again, if he can just sort of be competent and not terrible, this is an offense with a lot of pieces, and I think we can definitely expect better things going forward. The Kareem Hunt show rolls on. It rolled on in California today where the Chiefs beat the Chargers 24-10. to The rookie, 17 carries for 172 yards. Only one catch, but you're not going to complain about that with – with the big day that he had. Tyreek Hill, another five catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. And Alex Smith, efficient as ever. That Chiefs offense continues to look like a fantasy goldmine. 
Yeah, it's it's another reminder that Andy Reid knows what he's doing. Now, maybe when we get to the playoffs, there'll be some questions about his game management. But in the regular season, Andy Reid sure knows how to construct an offense. And what I like about it is they're incorporating spread concepts. They're doing a lot of things that a lot of NFL teams seem you know, are maybe a little more conservative to do. And uh, Kareem Hunt, just he just seems like he's unstoppable. I mean, this is his third straight game with a 50-plus yard touchdown. I don't know how sustainable that is, but you're obviously just going to keep rolling him out there. I mean, if we had a draft today, I'm not sure he would go any lower than second. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it would, be, would, it be, would Le'Veon Bell even go first at this point from what we've seen so far? I don't think so. I was going to say it's been a slow start for, for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. I think, yeah, a redraft today, Kareem Hunt easily top two he's probably <laughs> my number one exactly i was kind of couching it by saying top two i don't know maybe he goes <laughs> i don't number think one. it's that outlandish yeah 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 exactly uh, philip rivers was terrible by the way and he really dragged the uh, Chargers offense down with him three interceptions no touchdowns for rivers would jared goff be the uh like top five qb perhaps on our inner redraft league oh, uh, we'll, we'll touch briefly <laughs> on the thursday night game oh heck uh, no. huge game for Goff and a 41 to 39 win i mean brian hoyer played pretty well too um but the big names the guys that were drafted early who performed, Todd Gurley, uh, three total touchdowns for the Rams. His strong start continues. And Sammy Watkins kind of woke up a bit. Six for 106 and, yeah. and two touchdowns. We talked about T.Y. Hilton finally awakening, and we had a Sammy Watkins sighting as well. I think the team finally realized, yeah, Cooper Cup's nice and all, but could we, yeah, let's maybe try to get the ball to our best playmaker. Uh, Robert Woods also had a pretty good game. So former Bills wide I mean, even Marquise Goodwin had a decent game yeah. there. That's three former Bills wide receivers. Meanwhile, the Bills, I don't know who they're throwing to, but it's not working out <laughs> quite as well. Uh, so great for, for Watkins owners, probably a lot of whom were scared to play him in this game. And it was a, it was a pretty shocking game in general. I mean, 80 total points between yeah. these two squads. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but you had four guys on the uh, fantasy leaderboard at Watkins, Gurley, plus Carlos Hyde and uh, Pierre Garçon. I'll tell you who the Bills aren't throwing to as an owner of him in several leagues. <laughs> Zay Jones. Oh, no, Zay Jones. I See, I had high hopes for Jordan Matthews. I thought yeah. he would be the obvious number one receiver there. Obviously, he had an injury when he first got there, but... Uh, okay, a little bonus Bills talk for all you Buffalo fans. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Any final uh, takeaways, Des? You know, I, I don't. It's, some weeks you see you have these guys come out of the woodwork, and you think, okay, there's an obvious waiver wire guy, or that you know, everyone's going to be blowing their fab budget on him. I don't yeah. know if we saw that, and obviously we still have a couple games to go. I do think Alex Collins will be a player of interest on the waiver wires because if there is that chance now that he emerges as the undisputed running, at least the early downs running back in Baltimore, and that'll have some value if they decide Terrence West just isn't getting it done. I mentioned Rashard Matthews. I would not chase Mercedes Lewis. Uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in a pinch hit, you need a QB. I mean, I, I, the guy that stuck out to me was Deshaun Kaiser because he gives you the rushing. I love his pocket presence. I love his arm. I love the fact that Cleveland's going to be losing in a lot of these games. You know, I think you can get a lot of very cheap fantasy points out of him. And I'd monitor Kelvin Benjamin's knee and seriously consider Devin Funches because the Panthers are going to have to throw to somebody there, even as bad as, as Cam Newton has been. Definitely. A reminder to download and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can check out all of our great fantasy football content on WashingtonPost.com. And please reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Scott S. Allen. I'm at Des Beeler. Get those waiver claims in. 